Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry present Journeys in Faith. Now, here's Andy Santis. Hi, and welcome to Journeys in Faith here on this Friday evening. This is Anne DeSantis, and I'm very excited because I have an amazing guest this evening. I have Kennedy Hare. She is a Catholic author. She's the author of the book called Through the Crosshair. I have hold it up right there so you can see it. And she's got an amazing faith journey to share with us. Kennedy, thank you so much for joining us on Journeys in Faith. Yes, thank you for having me. That's right. Uh, we are so blessed to have you. You've also been a guest on Patchwork Heart Ministry with Bill Snyder and I with our podcast. So I just would like to also invite people who are watching this video right now that you can also go to Patchwork Heart Ministry and listen to another podcast because, you know, you always learn different things about people when you do a show or a podcast. You learn more about their faith journey. And now you have such an amazing journey to share because there was a moment in your life that really changed everything. So I would love it if you could just tell us more about that journey from the beginning and until where you are right now. Okay. So the first really eye-opening experience for me as far as my faith being tested was after a car accident my freshman year of high school. So I was around 14, 15 years old, and I was in a life-threatening car accident that I was not supposed to, you know, make it out of. So I um, was in the path or in the back seat of my best friend's car, and her her dad was driving, and somebody struck us coming from the other side of the road, and my stomach was cut completely in half internally. I had a hole in my small intestine and a hole in my duodenum. Um, in a situation like that, as far as a traumatic experience and, you know, internal injuries, you have what they call a golden hour to get to the hospital or to get into the hands of someone who can help. And I got there in 59 minutes. So my surgery was completely experimental. My surgeon had never done it before. And it was all just a matter of time figuring out if what he did worked. So I had, my stomach was overlapped and there was 22 staples down the front and my small intestine and my duodenum were repaired with dissolvable stitches um, and there's titanium staples around my stomach to this day. So I was told I would never play volleyball again and at the time volleyball was my entire identity. It was how I you know found my happiness, what I was really good at and truly what I wanted to do for a really long time post high school. Um, so hearing that I might not ever play again wasn't an option for me. Um, when I told my parents I was going to play on in the um, JVA World Challenge in April, after this happened in the end of, at the end of January in 2014, um, the surgeon looked at them and told them, you know, a kid can dream. So I was and still am a miracle girl, according to my surgeon. And what I accomplished was far beyond what he thought I could have done. So... I would not have been able to do any of those things without God and volleyball wasn't the, wasn't the main goal necessarily. The, it was a big goal, but at the same time, it was to overcome any mental and emotional obstacles that, you know, were going to come after my car accident. So that was something that was definitely hard for me to overcome because I was and still am a very independent person. And that put me in a situation to be everything 
but independent. I had to be very dependent on, you know, a lot of people, a lot of different things because I had to learn how to walk, talk, eat, and play volleyball all over again. So it was definitely something that tested my faith. And, you know, when you're a freshman in high school, you, you don't really know who you are at that point anyway. So it was, there was a lot going on. And in order for me to overcome such a traumatic experience, I had no choice but to lean on God. And I wouldn't have gotten through it if it wasn't for him. My mom always says, you know, you, you grow through what you go through. And that's exactly what I had to do in order to get through it. Yeah, I've heard your story a couple different times before. And every time you tell it, uh, I'm all, always touched about how God worked in your life. You made a point to say that you had to be patient. You had to learn to go to the very beginning of how to walk, talk, uh, interact, all of that stuff. You had to go to the very, very beginning. Right. And you were completely dependent on what God and how God would work in your life. So I just think it's an amazing story uh, of how God really transformed your healing process. And you learned so much about friendship. You learned so much about faith. You learned so much about family, right? You learned a lot about your family and the support that you got from your community. So let's backtrack a little bit before the accident. I know you did come from a family of faith. Your, your mom, Judy Hare, has been a guest with Patchwork Heart Ministry and Bill Snyder on his podcast before many, many times. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about your upbringing before all of this happened. So I grew up in a Catholic household, um, went through baptism, reconciliation, confirmation, um, church every Sunday, you know, non-negotiable, things like that, Lent, everything, you name it. Um, we did it. So the biggest thing for me, honestly, as far as my faith journey, aside from my car accident, was my confirmation my senior year of high school. Um, junior, senior year. So that was obviously after my car accident, but it was something that really touched me. I felt like the Holy Spirit was completely entering inside of my body and just um, showing me a new way that to live, basically. Um, that is something that it was a very powerful experience for me. And I had, you know, been through multiple trials and tribulations previously. So it was just another reassurance that God is always there. Um, I, we all have our, you know, times where we're wavering in our faith and questioning and things like that. And I think that if I didn't grow up with such a strong faith from my parents, I wouldn't be where I am today in my faith necessarily. Yeah, it's, it's really incredible. I love your book and now I'm going to hold it up again so our audience can see it. And it's through the crosshair. And you'll, you'll notice that the spelling is H-E-H-R, which is her last name. And it's very interesting, the cover. And now I'm going to read what the cover says. You have the words, come back more than an athlete, great resilience in trials, overcomer and faith over fear. And then lastly, destiny. Why don't we start with comeback? We'll go through each one of these aspects. Uh, so what does it mean when you say come back exactly? So fortunately for me, every setback that I have experienced has resulted in a comeback. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean just because I was injured, my comeback meant I had to play volleyball again. That was not necessarily um, 
the answer for me. The biggest thing was that I got through to the other side, a stronger person. Yeah, there's nothing like comeback, actually. I think for some of our audience who are thinking, you know, they went through a tough time in 2020. Maybe it was something to do with sickness or job loss or something else or just the lack of faith. Uh, so comeback is really a good, a good um, aspect of your life that also can shine to other people's lives. Let's go to more than an athlete. So what does that tell us about you when we look at that at the cover on the cover of your book there? A big thing for me was finding myself, my identity outside of my sport, which, you know, some people struggle with way, way past age 15. Um, so I always tried to make it a point to know that I am more than an athlete. I am enough. I am a child of God and an athlete was not, you know, my main title. It was for a, for a long time. It was Kennedy Hare, the volleyball player. And then it was, um, Kennedy Hare, the girl who was in a car accident. And so anything that I could do to make it so I was more than an athlete, um, to other people and to myself, I was doing myself justice. I know that you told me before and maybe one of our other interviews that you had such support from the community in that respect, you know, that people who knew you from being an athlete. And then you told me that you would go later on, you would go to events where people would say, oh my goodness, there's Kennedy hair or something like that. What was that experience like for you when people made those kinds of comments after the fact? So Growing up in like a, in a smaller town, you know, a lot of, you really knew everyone basically. And if you played, played a sport and you were, you know, on varsity as a freshman, like my siblings and I all were, you were known in the community. That's just really how it was. Um, and after something, you know, so traumatic happened, everybody knew how much I loved volleyball. It was, you know, I ate, slept and breathed volleyball. That's all I wanted to do. And so I think that's what was so alarming for people is they were like, how is this girl going to, you know, function if she cannot play this sport that she loves so much? Um, like you said, I did have a lot of support from the community and from my club at the time and just people really all over the country. There was a lot of people tweeting, um, hashtag pray for Ken, and it just, it got a lot of traction because the volleyball world is very, very big, yet it's very small. I have, you know, multiple friends that are I played against. They don't even have to be on my team that are, you know, live all over the country. And so that's one of the greatest things that I could ever say about organized sports is that it's just the most amazing community. And I would not have been able to get through it without, you know, God, of course, but without the community that I had to lean on as well. Um, I always like to say, granted, those people do, you know, leave once they realize that you are getting better, but, you know, that's just how it goes. And that was hard for me to realize in the moment, you know, it was from all of the support to none in a matter of, you know, a couple of weeks. Um, but at the same time, that's a very positive thing because you're getting better. So like I said, the support was something that was a huge, huge factor for me in recovering and getting back to playing and all of that. Um, so I, like I said, I appreciate everyone who has ever supported me. Um, it's just honestly was over overwhelming with love and support and all of that. 
Yeah, it's it's an incredible story. And I'm so glad that you wrote the book uh, through the crosshair. Uh, the next point on your book cover is great resilience in trials. Tell us about that. What was that like for you to be resilient during trials in your life, especially what happened with a car accident and the healing process? So that great resilience in trials is ac actually an acronym for grit on my, on the cover. And so everybody knows what grit is. It's just, you know, perseverance, determination to, you know, not necessarily come back from a setback, but just be strong and come back from anything really, you know, whether you're down in a, in a game or, you know, you're behind on a math test, just something, something like that to you where it, it takes grit to get to the other side. Um, but as far as the acronym goes, if you don't have resilience in trials, there won't be, you know, a tribulation at the end or a positive thing at the end, just because there's no way to get through it. And if you have, if you don't have that determination to really truly believe in yourself that you're going to get through it and that there's no other option but to do that. Yeah, I'm sure that there were times for you during the stay in the hospital because you told me that you were in the hospital for several weeks uh, and and then you were home and then there was a healing process. Right. So tell us what was that like because I'm sure that there were like, was it eight weeks or so in the hospital? No, so I was only in the hospital. I was in the ICU for five days and I was in the hospital total for 11, I believe. So the ICU was completely experimental as far as I could not eat or drink anything. Um, and the surgery was not necessarily trial and error, but if it didn't work, he was going to have to go back in. Fortunately, he didn't. Um, still to this day, my staples are holding. So he did a good job. And the thing about the hospital for me was, like I said, I had to learn how to walk again, to talk again. And you never really realize how much you use your, you know, abdominal muscles until you can't talk. If you just put your hand on your stomach while you're talking, you're using those muscles. And my stomach was severed completely down the middle. So I think I had the capability of whispering for three weeks or something. There was no, I'm a very loud talker. So that, that was not really a part of my, you know, demeanor anymore. And I really didn't know if it was ever going to come back if, or if I was just going to be, you know, more monotone and whispering. Um, same thing with walking. I had no idea how to get out of bed. Um, another thing that you don't really realize takes so much strength necessarily, physical strength. So the hospital, like I said, was, was a tough time for me because I had to relearn all of those things. And it was all baby steps. You know, it took seven of those days just, or maybe more, eight, nine of those days just for me to, you know, start walking up and down stairs or walking up and down, up, up and down the hallway more than one time without me being physically exhausted after, you know, five minutes of walking, I could sleep for four hours or something like that. So it was just a big thing for me physically. And that was, that was what the task was at hand was the physical part at that point. And when I got home, it was more of, okay, now there's mental and emotional side of things that need to be tackled as well as physically, because obviously right when I got home, I wasn't physically better. Um, for those of you that know me, I'm very small and I lost 22 pounds. Um, I was on a liquid diet for three weeks. So some people like to say there was, you know, nothing left of Kennedy. So, um, 
that was hard. It, those are things that, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to gain weight as fast as you can lose it. If you don't, if you're not eating for three weeks or if you're on a liquid diet for three weeks and, um, still to this day, truly, I have trial and error experiences with food and drinks. Um, just because it's, it's a matter of how my stomach reacts and some days are great. Some days are terrible, but at the end of the day, it beats the alternative of not being here. That's right. That's right. And that leads me to the next part, which you had said on, on your book cover, I'm going to hold it up again. But another um, aspect there you have is overcomer and it has all to do with grit and uh, being more than an athlete. But what about being an overcomer? Because you had to be an overcomer during that time. Yes, absolutely. And you're definitely right when you say it relates to some of the other things that are on the title or on the cover. Um, overcoming something that you're going through just means that you're, you know, you came out stronger. If you did it, then you ca you came out stronger. So that is something that I still stand by to this day is that I will overcome whatever I go through, no matter if it's physical, emotional, mental, you know, financially, whatever the case may be. Um, because God is the reason I am an overcomer. So there's no way that I could, like I said, I, I will continue to reiterate this. There's no way that I could have gotten through all of my setbacks if it wasn't for God. It, my car accident was one of plenty of physical injuries. So being an overcomer was and is something that's very, very important to me for my character necessarily. Yeah, it's good to see, especially someone in your age category. I know you're in your early 20s. Uh, you're working. I know you have a couple of different jobs going there. You also you have a, a, a side career as well. I'm, I would love to get into that toward uh, the second half of the show too. Um, but that next aspect that you have is the faith over fear. So what was that like for you? Because you had to choose faith instead of being afraid about what your future was going to be like. Yes. So... I had never been injured before necessarily. Um, so I definitely was scared in a sense, but it, I don't know if it was really fear as much as just confusion or wondering, you know, how do I even possibly overcome something like this or why me? That is a question that I am very open about telling people that I, you know, came, that came across my mind countless times, wondering why is this happening to me or for lack of better phrase, what did I do to deserve this? Or what could possibly come out of this that could be positive? And, you know, God came through with all of that. Everything was positive at the end of it. Um, and I never would have been able to embrace as many people as I have up until this point if it wasn't for my car accident. My car accident, you know, shaped me into the person I am today. And for those that didn't live it with me, for those who have met me just in the past couple of years, We'll never really understand that, which is unfortunate, but that's part of the reason I wrote the book is so, so people could understand me more on a personal level as to what something that was so traumatic that happened at such a young age could really form me into, into who I am. And so I had, like you said, I had to choose faith over fear um, because if I chose fear over faith, I would not have ever came out the other side, let alone played volleyball again or played college volleyball at two different schools, um, or been where I am today, wrote the book, all of that. Yeah, you've done so much. It's, it's just really incredible. Really hey, blessed yeah. to have you here on Fiat Ministry Network on Journeys in Faith. 
Now, I, uh, we have a lot more to talk about. We do have to take a short break. So join us here in just a few minutes on Journeys in Faith on this Friday evening with my wonderful guest, Kennedy Hare. See you soon. Hi, my name is Ann DeSantis, and I'm the director for the St. Raymond Onatis Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. You can learn about us on our website at nonatis.org. I'm here to tell you today about two great podcasts that I hope that you will tune in. The first Tuesday of every month at 8 o'clock, we have a podcast specifically for Catholics affected by divorce. From 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern, go to Philly Nonatis on YouTube to subscribe. In addition, we also have a podcast the last Thursday of every month. That's also at 8 o'clock Eastern Time for one hour. And that one is for families in crisis. We have some really great guests coming up soon, so hope to see you then. Please also consider the fact that you can make spiritual direction appointments with us, with our spiritual moderator. All you need to do is go to our website on the contact form and just reach out to us. We'd be happy to hear from you and look forward to setting up an appointment. So we'd love to connect with you. Please share this video and let people know that we're there for families affected by divorce and also families in crisis. Thank you. Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network present the Discover Your Mission series. Now I had been brought up without any prayer, without Bible, without church, nothing of that kind. And so when my father died, I became suicidally depressed. I, I had no desire to live. And yet, by the grace of God, uh, whenever I got to the point of actually taking my life, I always had this interior conviction that if I took my life, I would simply find it again on the other side and it would be permanent misery. But it wasn't until I became a wife and a mother and I began to try and pass my faith on to my children that I realized that everything I knew about Jesus was memorized doctrine. I was a good man, I was a good father, I was instilling the sacraments into my family. Uh, I was definitely not intentional, I was stuck rope in my faith. But what kind of strength did he have? Jackie did not just have a strength of body or baseball skill. He had a strength inside of his spirit, a courageous, meekness that empowered him to play the game. And I tell him what is going on with me and he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. I think this is like some sort of miracle, dude. And he's like, okay, you know, of course, but I'll believe it when I see it. Honey, you've been trying to quit and you've been saying this and saying that. And I'm, a, you know, he, his big line to me is you shouldn't say things <laughs> because I never follow through on them. And so this was, Week after week, month after month, he is looking at me like, this is a miracle. There is no way that you, on your own, could have done this. So we are called to sing. All of us are called to sing. 
all of us are called to express ourselves and join our voice into the unity of the church. Uh, often with my choirs, I, I ask them to listen to each other, to listen to the, the sound that they make together as one. That's what we're aiming for through the harmony or unison. We're aiming for a one sound. You need to decide. What are you going to participate in? Are you going to participate in the historic Christian idea of the altar of sacrifice, which is in the Eucharist, or not? Of the show. Uh, during the first half, you met my friend here, Kennedy Hare. She is a Catholic author of the book, Through the Cross. Hare, I keep holding it up. <laughs> it's a wonderful book that I love so much. And it has a beautiful front cover, too. And during the first half of the show, we were unpacking uh, some of the different aspects of her life that she actually put right on the front cover of the book. Uh, some of those are comeback, more than an athlete great resilience and trials, overcomer, and faith over fear. And now the last one that's at the bottom of this, there's a cross, if you can see right there, there's a cross. And at the very bottom, it says destiny. I wondered if we could talk about destiny. Um, that's probably the hardest one to really explain, just because I am someone who always wants more for myself. And, you know, I don't think I'll I actually know I have not reached my, you know, full potential, full destiny yet up to this point. Um, however, everything else that's on the cover ties into where I am today and what my destiny looks like, which is being an overcomer, great resilience in trials, meaning grit, being more than an athlete, choosing faith over fear, um, and just at the end of the day, being who I am as a person and knowing that I am enough. Yeah, exactly. And and you're a younger person. I think you have done so much between your high school years and now college years and working now, uh, doing so much. And I'll, I'll read the back of your book. Again, it says that a life-threatening car crash to multiple athletic injuries, everything changed the trajectory of my dreams. Things are not always what they seem, and life does not always go as planned. By embodying Jeremiah 29, 11 and realizing myself into God's hands, I realized that you can do all the right things and still not achieve the outcome you expected. This is my story of how to always trust in God's plan. Tell us more about that because isn't it always about God's plan despite the suffering? It absolutely is. And like I said multiple times on here and every other podcast or interview I've done, I am a very transparent person. And still to this day, I struggle with trusting God's plan, wondering how or why I can't just control every little thing because <laughs> I really wish I could. Um, however, if I did that, I would not be in the position I am today. And that is something that I don't notice until after the fact. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think you have to, you know, really like I said before, grow through what you go through in order to look back and say, I'm so glad that I, you know, 
God chose this plan and I didn't choose what I thought was going to be the right plan or the right answer for me. Um, so like it says, by releasing myself into God's hands and um, just really bowing down to him and knowing that his plan trumps all, that was the only way I was going to get through it. Um, it is something that is very hard. I like to make that apparent because I know everybody struggles with it, with, with, um, trusting God's plan over your own. And I just want everybody to know that, you know, they're not alone when they, when they question maybe, or, um, wonder what could come out of trials and setbacks and things like that, because I'm a true believer that, you know, questioning leads to more knowledge, which ultimately leads to believing and more understanding. Yeah, God has taught you so much. Now that that happened to you when you were in high school, I believe. Were you a freshman or a sophomore? I was a freshman. My my car accident was a freshman. Um, my knee surgery was sophomore year and senior year. Okay. So tell us if you wouldn't mind, explain to us what happened through high school and then entering into college and that whole experience as well. Love to hear. So high school was a um, terrible time for me personally. Um, I was someone who was very, I was very set on the goals that I wanted to achieve. And that was playing college volleyball and no sort of, you know, extracurricular legal or illegal was on my mind unless it was volleyball practice or lifting or conditioning, um, school. So I didn't fit in, unfortunately. However, it set me up to be where I am today, as well as my siblings. And it was the hardest time in my life. I didn't, I'm not someone who would seem like I wouldn't fit in, but I definitely didn't. I was the outcast. Um, and the way I was, you know, going about my call, my high school career was made out to be this terrible thing. And it's just another reason why I wrote the book that, you know, we all have a different path and that doesn't mean someone else's is right or wrong, but it was, it was hard for me to, to overcome not just a car accident or a couple knee surgeries, but just going into a high school where you know that you, you know, you're not really welcome or you, you don't feel welcome. And the sport of volleyball is truly what helped me get through high school because if everybody knew who I was because of that. And there was no, there was no denying, you know, my ability or my, my faith or my work ethic and things like that. And that's what truly set me apart um, in the most humble and sincere way possible. It was, it was the only way I was going to get through high school. And my brother Chandler was right by my side, thank God, um, because it was hard. Like, I, I've never really, that was a great question. I've never been asked in an interview before. Um, but it was, it was definitely not the best time for me. So going off to college, I could not have been more excited, truly. I was going, you know, 800 miles away from home on Myrtle Beach in South Carolina, and nothing was more exciting at that point. Um, I was ready to graduate, like, my sophomore year. <laughs> just like I was ready to graduate college my freshman year. So, like I said, I'm always just, you know, looking for the next best thing and wanting more for myself. And so while college was, you know, just as emotionally hard, it was, it was, it was different. It was new. There was more freedom. There was, 
But at the same time, there was a lot more structure. As an athlete, you know, you're, you have a full-time job. You're practicing, playing, working 40 hours a week necessarily plus school. So um, college was definitely something that kept me, that kept me grounded as, as hard as it was with the, um, just a totally different dynamic. Um, it was, a, it was a hard transition. However, I, I did enjoy, I did enjoy it. Um, it was where I truly had the ability to find myself because I wasn't under, you know, someone else's roof. It was everything I did was my decision and every decision that I made or didn't make has made me who I am today. Yeah. I think you're really a wonderful young person. You're just a, a wonderful woman in general, but, uh, but you have such wisdom Honestly, you have such wisdom. And I do think that suffering does mature us. I do. I think that when people go through suffering, especially at a young age, it can help to mature our hearts and our souls and our relationship with God. So I just commend you so much on all that you've done and, and how much you love God and how much you had to trust God during the one of the hardest times in your life. So what was it like also for you? Um, I know that you have several brothers and sisters and, uh, you know, your mom is also involved in, in Catholic ministry as well and is also a speaker. So what was it like for you in that whole dynamic with your family during all of these times? Um, my family was the most supportive and yet those are the people that I really kind of pushed away the most at the time. Um, I wish I didn't do that. It was just like I said, I was a very independent person and I, I wanted to do everything by myself. Um, they never wavered though. Still to this day, they don't, you know, we have our ups and downs. I still fight with my siblings to this day. My sister is my best friend. I can, I can say that very confidently. Um, and I've come along with my parents as well. Um, all of my siblings didn't really, you know, we didn't really get along with my parents necessarily because, you know, they made it very clear, you know, we're not friends, we're your parents. And so as I've, you know, gotten older and I've been able to find myself outside of, outside of them and who I am as a person, um, I've grown to really understand why they did some of the things they did. And my family, you know, is family is everything. It, it's a very cliche phrase. However, it is, it's definitely true. Yeah, that, that's, that's amazing. And I know your mom has done wonderful work in Catholic ministry as well. And, and, being an awesome speaker and a friend also of Patchwork Heart Ministry, who's uh, Bill Snyder, who you know, my podcast host for Sewing Hope. Mm -hmm. And and for those who are watching and haven't listened to Sewing Hope before, uh, Kennedy Hare was a guest on that podcast. So please do check it out on YouTube. Um, let's talk about uh, trusting God, because I know that must have been the hardest part of all of this. You know, here you are in the hospital here you are going through the whole rehab thing and, and in high school and then in college. What has it been like for you just on a day-to-day -day basis to have to constantly just put it before God and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you with the rest of my life? Um, in complete transparency and honesty, it has, it's very hard. Um, still to this day, it's hard. I struggle. Um, I wonder what's like what's next or, you know, what, what more is coming, things like that. Um, and I always say, I, I really wish I could take my own advice. You know, I sit on these podcasts and I say like you, what you say, very wise things. And, you know, if I could take my own advice, I would probably be a lot better off <laughs> than I am right now. Um, but I think that's the case with everybody. So I've, you know, find some, 
some steadiness and some ground knowing that we all kind of can, you know, say and do things that are easier said than done in a, in a, in the sense. So like I said, I definitely, I do trust God. If I didn't, I would probably be a head case because I really want to control everything. Um, but at the end of the day, when I sit back, no matter what situation it is, there is no, there's no way that my, my plan is going to Trump his, it's just not going to happen. And so as hard of a pill as that is to swallow at times, it's what's best for me and really everyone else in the end. Very mature of you because, you know, younger years sometimes for all of us, uh, it's a time of decision, decision making. It's a time of not always knowing what's going to happen. So I just think it's uh, mature of you that you are able to place it in God's hands, not always completely trusting him, but, but hoping that you will be able to do it on a daily basis. I know that on one of our other podcasts, you talked about friends and how that during your time of trial that you really learned who your friends were. Could, I wonder if you could expand on that a little bit. Um, definitely, a definitely a tough topic. Um, I'm someone who's struggled with keeping friends since I was, you know, since I can remember. Um, I'm about as loyal as it gets, and I will go to the ends of the earth, no matter what, for people that I, I care about. Um, however, not everybody is like that, and I've learned that just because my heart is so big, even though it's, you know, very stony <laughs> on the outside, um, that doesn't mean everybody else's is the same way. Um, however, not everybody's out to get you necessarily. Things just, you know, things just happen. So like you said, friends have, friends have came and gone and more have definitely gone and stayed. I have, I can definitely count on one hand outside of my family who my friends are and, I don't use that term lightly. I have a lot of acquaintances, definitely. Um, but there are a few very good friends that I know are, you know, my ride or die, for lack of a better phrase, and that are with me up to the end. So I know your next question is going to be, so how do you, you know, how would you overcome friends leaving? So I will just answer that and say that you can't control it at the end of the day. And people come and go unfortunately there are going to be people that you never want to leave that are going to leave and that may be their decision it might be you know 100% God's decision that it just led them to go elsewhere or you to go elsewhere um but like I said at the end of the day it's all about trusting him and that is 100% what has been the hardest for me it's not about injuries it's not about what has come you know what is coming next it's about is is there really going to be anybody outside of my family that's really with me with this, you know? And so that's something that is still hard for me to this day. Um, like I said, there are definitely people who have been with me since, since the beginning. Um, and it doesn't matter if I don't talk to them for a year, it, they're I know they're there. So lean on those people that you know are, are with you and that you know are never leaving because at the end of the day, a small circle of very good friends is a lot better than a big circle of acquaintances that don't really care about you in the end. So I truly think that in the you know most respectful way possible, a lot of people just want to say they know you. No matter if you're an accomplished person or not, You at the end of the day, someone wants to be able to say, oh, I know her, or I know him, or we were friends, or we were that. And 
you know, you know, you, you know who your friends are and that's what you have to lean on. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true because we live and we learn, right? I mean, you're in your twenties and I think, uh, you are very, very wise, as I keep saying, but I really mean that you are wise uh, because some people don't have your wisdom. Uh, and I think a lot of that came through the suffering that you went through. So Absolutely. thank Absolutely. you for sharing. I love it if you could share with us, how did you come up with the inspiration to become an author and to write the book uh, through the crosshair? So my original you know, push to do it was from my mom. Um, and then my other push at the same time was as a coping mechanism for what I was going through as a college athlete, as a college student. Um, and as time went by, it was more of, you know, I was writing a lot and a lot of it was stuff that I know people would relate to. And so I, you know, buckled down one day and said, I'm, I'm going to write this book and I don't know how long it's going to take or when it's going to be done, but I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to lie. I pushed the deadline months and months and months and, and months. Um, but thankful for quarantine truly, because I told myself there was no excuse not to finish it at that point. Um, I was working. Yes. And I was, you know, in school full time. Yes. However, I was sitting in my apartment, so there was no reason why I couldn't finish it. I had a ch couple chapters left. I, um, needed to, you know, edit a few things. And at the end of the day, I got, I got it finished. So I'm really happy I did. It was, it was a very long drawn out process that was very stressful truly because um, I had to, you know, change names and change universities and change a lot of things. Every, I always like to say everything in the whole book is fact and true statements. Um, but for the protection of me and other people, I had to, you know, work around some things. And so that was definitely hard, but I'm glad I did it. And I always say as well, if I can touch one person with my book, then I did what I intended to do. Well, you did touch one because you definitely touched me. <laughs> I am an owner of the book Through the Crosshair. And um, please tell our audience how they can get a hold of this book, because I know you will even sign copies of it and send it out. Yes. So um, pending that I don't forget to sign it. <laughs> I sign every book that goes out from me personally. Um, whether I sign my name or I write a little note, um, I will have that in there for you. So you can order through me directly or you can order on Amazon. However, I don't sign those because they don't come from me. Same price either way, Amazon, um, shout out to them. They're probably faster getting it shipped out to you <laughs> than I can go to the post office. But Either way, you can get it from me or on Amazon. Yeah, I, I would definitely highly recommend Through the Cross Hair. Now, the hair is spelled like her last name, H-E-H-R. So check it out on Amazon. You can get it or you can go and reach out to Kennedy. Tell them your email address or wherever they can reach out to you to get the book assigned copy. Where, how can they do that? So I have basically every social media but Twitter. So I have... Instagram, Facebook, um, LinkedIn is a big one that I use. My email is my first and last name at Hotmail. And then I have a Gmail, which is my first and last name with the number one at Gmail. So you guys can reach out to me on any of those platforms. I try to be pretty, pretty um, quick with responding. I absolutely love to get messages, even if it's just 
hey, I came across this podcast. Hey, I came across your book. It's just, it means the absolute world to me. So I would love to hear from whoever. Yeah, I know you do. Um, you've got a very big heart. You really do. And I would even say that if people are watching this and they don't have a pen and paper and they're not able to jot everything down, you can simply reach out to me at Ann DeSantis on uh, my website at andesantos.com and send me a message and just tell me that, you know, that you'd like to get in touch with Kennedy. That could be another easy way that you can get in touch. So uh, whatever works for you. Um, so tell us about what you're doing now, because I know you're working full time and then you also have another job that you're doing too. Tell us about that. Yes. So my mom always jokes around and says I have like seven jobs, but you know, I kind of do. So I work full-time for a digital marketing company called Level 5, Team Velocity, based out of Virginia. I work remotely, so I sit in this very spot, actually, all day, 40 hours a week. Um, I'm a district manager for Arbonne, the number one brand for healthy living in the world. Um, I've become very passionate about that, as a lot of the stuff has helped me, personally. Um, I am an investor in a couple different things. I train some, some girls in volleyball. Um, not something I ever thought I would do, but I did want to give my knowledge and experience back to the younger generations. Um, I do some side work for some other digital marketing companies, um, some social media work for other people. And truly, I'm just always looking for, you know, what's the next way I can make money. <laughs> truly, you know, it doesn't sound the greatest, but that's just how I am as a person because I will not work until I'm 65. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you have a great head on your shoulders so please do reach out to kennedy as she has given you all of her social media platforms for the great work she's doing so tell us just a little bit more about the arbon because i know that's very special and people who are listening especially the ladies who would like to hear about the skincare and the cosmetic products too yes so there's nutrition products skincare hair bath body um, makeup, you name it, all clean products, cruelty-free, paraben-free, plant-based, um, you name it. So it has been something that has really changed my life as far as, you know, nutrition goes. And I never thought I would be doing something like that. And it's not, it's not my main thing, but if I can, you know, help someone live healthier, whether that's with the mascara they wear or, you know, the protein that they drink, then like I, I'm doing my job. So it, like I said, it is something I'm very passionate about because I've seen the results from in personally and, you know, some of my clients and other people's clients. So if you are ever interested in anything Arbon, contact me. <laughs> yeah, I'm very familiar with Arbon. I have another uh, friend who um, is involved in the company and they do wonderful products. Um, the skincare is wonderful too. And um, so do reach out to Kennedy and learn more about Arbonne. Now, is there anything else that's coming up in 2021 that you want us to tell us about, whether it be something to do with writing or speaking or Arbonne or anything else? We'd love to hear. Um, not as of right now. There are some people who believe that my mom and I will end up on the same stage talking together. Um, you never know. There are, I can tell you there are no plans for that as of right now, but I think it would be fun. I've, you know, everywhere I go, people say you, you are, you're literally your mom. So, um, it would probably be super cool, great experience, but, um, a lot of those things have been halted because of, you know, coronavirus. So we'll see as far as writing goes, 
I really have been debating writing another book. I have been, but you know, the greatest and the worst times in my life have been written about already. So until I have this like amazing experience or something that I could write, that I could write about, I'm probably going to hold off just because I'm more of a um, real writer. I would like to write about my personal story. I'm not necessarily someone that could write, like could make something up, I guess. Yeah, I understand that completely. So yeah, I would agree. I could see you up on stage with your mom and uh, you never know what that has in store, honestly. Yeah, we'll see. And I, I really believe it will happen one day. It's just a matter of if our world or when our world goes back to normal and if, you know, we can find a topic that we can talk about. But I guess the, the authors could be just that in general. So we'll see. I know my mom who who is listening will probably is probably like jumping up and down right now. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, that, that would be incredible. I would definitely love to to be in that audience, whether it be online or, mm-hmm. I mean, I know that right now you're in North Carolina, I believe. Yes. And I'm in Pennsylvania, but you never know, right? right. <laughs> That's the beauty of online. I wondered if you had anything to share with someone who's watching, who's suffering right now, whether it's a younger person who's had some kind of health challenge or something else, um, you have been through so much and you have a lot of wisdom about suffering. What kind of advice can you give to that person who's going through a really challenging time right now? I truly believe that as cliche as the phrase is that God gives his toughest battles to the strongest soldiers. I believe that is very true. Um, And he's not going to throw something on you that you're not going to be able to, to overcome. Um, I still have people come come up to me to this day saying I could never have gone through what you went through. Um, And who are, you know, who are they to say that? They have no idea. They could do it. It's just a matter of, you know, they might not have been put in the situation. So lean on the people that are around you, no matter how independent you are, um, because that is your support system. And that's the best way to get the best way to get through it aside from God, of course. Amen. Excellent advice. Thank you so much for being a guest here on Journeys in Faith. And I'll hold the book up once again, Through (laughs) the Crosshair. Please do purchase this book either directly from Kennedy. As I said, she gave you all the email uh, addresses or simply you can go to andesantos.com and send me something there through the contact form and I'll get you in touch with Kennedy. So again, please do come back to Journeys in Faith. We would love to have you back again as a guest, Kennedy. Absolutely. I'm ready whenever. (laughs) Sounds awesome. Now, I also would love to invite people that after the show is over, you can go to our Patreon site at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry, where you can uh, go to the show called Five Minutes of Faith. And Kennedy will be doing a show with, with, with us about three ways that you can overcome a challenge through faith. So do check it out. We will see you all next week on Journeys in Faith. God bless. Journeys of Faith is a production of Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry. For more information about Journeys of Faith, email info at fiatministrynetwork.tv. And be sure to friend, follow, and like us on social media. Just search Journeys in Faith with Anne DeSantis.